This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a... A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Podcaster. Yeah, you would think that our guest today, Cody, <laughs> runs his own podcast, has his own podcast, understands equipment and understands audio and whatnot. He's got a dang podcast cubicle. Yeah, he's got a podcast cubicle. He's got a fancy like rig that comes out in front of him. You can, you know, massive microphone. Taking him like ten minutes to figure out how to listen to us. Listen, the uh, I I uh, I don't make any bones about the fact that uh, I'm thoroughly mediocre. It's it's right there in the name of Solid Seven. You get exactly what is promised. A solid seven out of ten. Exact every time. Hmm. <laughs> Cody, uh, your insect bite, 7 out of 10 in terms of it being a disease that you brought back from Africa. What does the, the doctor in the house say? Uh, the doctor in the house um, <laughs> is a lovely, lovely woman. Um, He's still in the room, so be careful. Yeah, exactly. No, I think, the, I think the bite is getting better. I do have another one that I've now discovered. Nice. So I have two. I have a bite on my right thigh and behind my left knee. 
I'm not so sure that they're not just like some average bug bite that I've picked at too much. Um, but you know, you'd rather just not have an unknown couple of bug bites when you came back from Africa. It's not like we were in the wilds of of Tanzania. It doesn't matter. There's a there's a bunch of nice good diseases that come from Africa. Tick bite fever is one of the good ones. And I suggested you may have that the other day. Yeah, now, yeah, that worked wonderfully for my wife to hear that. <laughs> she already has this intense phobia of ticks. But I, I do feel a lot better, like a million times better. Still have this little frog in my throat. And then I have this annoying, I think you called it a tickle cough, where I just go <clears throat> every, every 30 seconds, like someone poked me in the belly or something. I can't keep from doing it. Um, but man, do I feel better. I think it's just a coincidence. I think I had a bug, you know, some kind of a virus flu or something. And then I also got two pretty nasty bug bites at the same time. I don't think they're correlated. COVID and tick bite fever at once. And you still didn't go see a doctor. And I kicked its ass and I'm getting better. So bring it on. It it used to be that all the best diseases came from Africa. And now these last two years, they've been unseated. So yeah. Now we're going to figure something out. Got to figure something out. The dark continent is no longer the dark continent. Though I, I listened to you guys on a quasi-recent episode, and I heard you float the idea of pivoting to not just telling the truth about hunting, but maybe actually trying to convince some people to take up hunting. And I don't know that this conversation is going to do it. I don't know that leading with the uh, phantom bug bites <laughs> is the sales pitch you might think it is for hunting. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Cody's got a pretty rabid following, and he can, you know, I actually, oh, yeah. um, I, I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inflate Cody's ego for a second here. Um, I was on a podcast earlier today with quite a big podcast. It's going to come out here in the next two weeks or so. And like the third question leveled at me was like, who's that guy that's on the podcast? Who's your partner on the podcast? I was like, oh, here we go. I have to talk about Cody. I had to tell him all about Cody and how he's, you know, he's a good contrast to who I am. He doesn't have the quite the science acumen that I have, and uh, but we tolerate him on the podcast, that kind of stuff. So, well, I'm I was listening ahead, trying to uh, a. I've just, you know, since you came on Solid Seven, I've just been consuming co- your content nonstop now, and uh, but I'm listening, trying to prep for this, thinking, good lord, I probably need to try to bring something to this party. And uh, normally, curmudgeon is kind of my shtick, and uh, Cody's already occupied that space in your podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to go for like comic relief tonight. He'll be less curmudgeonly tonight than he was last week. We can so. have an assistant curmudgeon, too. That's fine. Now, which one's the assistant? I don't now, know if we'll, I'm willing we'll, to accept this arrangement. We'll decide at the end. Whoever owned it the most gets the head title, and then the other one's the assistant. That's fair. I, I accept these terms. Well, Kale Matthews, welcome to the roundup of the Blood Origins podcast. Thanks, man. I'm I'm honored to be here. I have almost nothing to to offer, so it'll be much like an episode of my own podcast. So this should be fun for all. You are the host of the Solid Seven podcast. For those that have not heard about it, go check them out. Um, your own Blood Origins uh, individual, Robbie Kroger, Cody. You did not crack a nod to the Solid Seven podcast. Because they don't accept nines, they accept sevens. Wow! So, hey, I'm trying to yeah. I'm trying to help you out here, buddy. Here goes with an effeminate cough. Yep, cough it out. Unmute yourself. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, uh, but yeah, Kale, um, I I wanted you have I, I as soon as I finished the podcast with you, I said, man, we need to have you on the roundup because 
I just thoroughly enjoyed the conversation I had with you, and you were very thoughtful in in your your posing of questions and and how you thought about things. And those are the kinds of guys we like to have on the podcast. So here you are. I pre- yeah, I appreciate it. And I'm I'm honored to be here. And uh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of what we go for. Like my my tag for the podcast, right? Is that uh, it's not a show about nothing, but it's also not a show about any one thing, right? It's just um, you know, normally I, I you know hat tip Seinfeld there for not a show about nothing, but uh, we're just inquisitive. Like I have friends on, I have guests on, and we we talk about what's going on in the world, or we talk about uh, the expertise that's going on. And more often than not, it's a, a fairly interesting conversation, and uh, we have some laughs and we learn some things. And that was certainly true of the episode when you were on. And I've got to say, when we got when we got done recording, you you said you're like I can't believe we just talked for two hours. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was typical like post podcast kindness. Like you just say nice things to the host. I did bribe you with some Jocko Go. And uh, but then as I'm listening back through y'all's podcasts, I'm like, man, I I maybe like it was a major achievement that I got you past an hour. <laughs> so you uh, just we made freaking Cody's night. Yeah, we did it first on the Solid Seven podcast. Just remember that, Cody. Yeah, we've done it a couple of times, but it's like uh, it's like pulling teeth with him. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, are you well enough to have an agave next to you, or are you still? Um, you know, it's honestly just a forgetful. I am probably well enough, but I didn't. I didn't have one. Speaking of my agave, though, one of our texts this week is from Dave, who Dave uh, does he work for Pete Street Distilleries? Dave is now getting inundated, and he's not sure why. He's not sure if it's his love of bourbon or his love of blood origins. But he's sending send me a couple of screenshots of Pete Street Distillery ads on his Facebook page. <laughs> So this is my theory, and my theory is completely unburdened by data. I have no – this is probably not true. I'm convinced now that – You just – you literally just said what I'm about to say is absolute nonsense, so Peach, – Peach Street Distilleries up. is pumping out ads on Facebook to people that follow Blood Origins, I think. Mm. No? Maybe? Maybe? Little, Maybe. Uh, or Facebook was just listening to him talk about Peach Street. Little quasi uh, – conspiracy going on here maybe. yeah but they won't talk to us maybe not we got a lot of texts you want to do text now yeah yeah let's do some text messages dave from wisconsin in reference to the uh, wolf management plan it's not surprising that the wisconsin dnr doesn't have any timeline for the wolf management plan our hunting regulations were late being published this year and physical copies were not available for most areas for archery and the small game opener a uh, little bit of a different perspective there. I've done a lot of, um, I, I think I've done a lot of defending of the Wisconsin DNR because I think some massive political pressure was put on them when they sure, kind of, uh, sure. but you know, I don't know, maybe they are a cluster bomb and they don't do things well. I, I, I don't want to assume that, but uh, Dave says that they uh, maybe. Uh, Dave essentially said that they're a cluster bomb without saying they're yeah, a cluster bomb. Yeah, cluster bomb's a thing I made up because the other word I was going to say seems I like aggressive it. right now. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> and this is a PG podcast and you have been refraining from swearing for quite a couple of podcasts. I've been working on it. I've been trying to do good. Um, yeah. Dave also sent a really cool pick from a tree stand, which is, I, I love the picks. Obviously, it's a podcast. We can't share the picks, but keep the picks coming, guys. If you're going to text us, that number is 620-860-4804. Tell us really any damn thing you want to. We don't care. 
It's a it's a bold move just putting out a blanket request for pictures from the the internet and the podcast world, man. You're going to get some interesting. I mean, you'll get some tree stand pics, but that's probably not all. It's a good thing Cody has the text message line. I'll let you, I'll, I'll <laughs> let you know what else we get. Tim, so this. No, what well, quick? Because like I'm the I'm the hunting uh, layman's not even the right term, right? Right. Um. But uh. So like. But I boy, do I like to comment on government. And so was this Dave was from Wisconsin? Are they like new to wolf management? Is there Ooh. some good reason that they should <laughs> suck at this? Um, wow. There you go. Where do you want to Where do you want to take that one, Cody? The, the, That's why we have Kale on. Here's Here's the facts, Kale, and then we can get into assessment of things from there. The Wisconsin had a for, so the wolf was uh, classified right. The wolf was a protected species; couldn't be hunted. While it was protected, Wisconsin passed a law that if when they became when they came off the endangered species list, there had to be a hunting season. Okay, it was like we're not going to get them unendangered and then not hunt them. So right. they came off. I believe somewhere in a, in a December time frame, I think they were delisted by the by the uh, federal government, and a whole bunch of hunter groups pressured this. This part's my opinion. A whole bunch of hunter groups, or a few hunter groups, pressured Wisconsin to have a season immediately, and they did it with some serious political pressure. So they did it. They then set a quota, and there was at a minimum a disorganized mess that there's a whole argument about this too and Robbie and I are kind of on different sides but not really about this that they went over the quota quite a few more wolves were killed by the non-tribal public in Wisconsin than was dictated they could kill and um it it, it was it was there's no reason on a thing like that to hurry in my opinion there's also no reason to delay with bureaucracy for years but I, I don't. I, I think they were pressured. They moved too fast, and so now we're at this period where Wisconsin keeps saying they haven't figured out the wolf hunting again yet. And so a lot of people are bitching. A lot of people are up in arms that they haven't released the details on the wolf season. I still am of the opinion that if they need to take some time to figure it out, that's what they should do. Obviously, you got to draw a line in the sand. And uh, Dave from Wisconsin, you know, was sending us a text letting us know that maybe this isn't the first thing Wisconsin's fallen on their ass trying to accomplish. Well, I mean, I, I was born in Illinois, so there's no love less lost for Wisconsin here, right? Like, uh, you know, Bears, Packers, you know, whatever, screw them. Uh, but I, so I'm remembering this from another podcast now, and I don't know whose side I fall on here, but who gives a crap? Who kills? Like, if the quote is the point, who gives a crap? Who kills the wolves? Why? Why does? Why do the tribes need a separate allotment? Like, let's is it not? Is it not? Let's do what's good for management of the population and let's roll with it. Like, Kale, I'll you know just check your bank account later, okay? (laughs) Kale is right. No, I I can agree with the logic that you just stated, but the fact of the matter is there was a quota given to the non-tribal hunters. And a quota given to the tribe. Right. The tribe chose not to have a hunt. So the non-hunting public went way the heck over their quota. Like almost doubled it. 
mm-hmm. but they only went like seven or eight animals over the total quota for the state with what the tribe could have taken. Um, yeah, it's, it's, Cody, can they even have a wolf season right now? They can't. It's endangered in Wisconsin. The federal judge in California ruled wolves to be back on the endangered species list, except for Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho. Well, federal judges, federal judges in California are definitely who I want making decisions about wolf populations in Wisconsin. But made, that's what happens for for fifteen years. They've been making them on a regular basis, and and go figure, they always make the same decision. <laughs> always, no matter what the known and agreed upon population of wolves is in any given area, they always make the same decision. Anyway, so that's the that's the wolf scenario, Kale. All right. Get your crap together, Wisconsin. Here you go. Right, right from KO at the Solid 7 podcast. <laughs> Send the hate there. Tim, Tim from Saskatchewan sent us a great roundup. He wants to touch on the cheetah reintroduction. He talks about the reintroduction of the black-footed ferret to Saskatchewan. Mm. Which went very well, and they were having litters, and a few years later... A plague swept through the black-tailed prairie dog colonies in the area, which led to a decimation of the main prey base. The main prey base for the black-footed ferret. Um, and he says, "I believe they are all gone now." And here is my dog <laughs> piling on top of me. Um, so. <laughs> I think Tim's point goes very much to what we kind of agreed upon with Julie that, you know, at one point, even everyone thought it was cool. We'll have some black footed ferrets back or we'll have some cheetahs back in India. As long as all the repercussions are thought through, all the repercussions can't be thought through. That's a silly story. But as, as long as there's a sufficient amount of time spent going through that, um, and what 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 are going to be the consequences of those actions? Um, you know, you never know. We'll see about the cheetahs. Thoughts? Any other text messages? I got a bunch. You want me to keep going? We got we got. Yeah, keep rolling. Well, well, I I had I mean I should have looked up the date on this thing. I had this goes back to your your comment on the the Facebook ads because the devices are always listening all the time, but. So I had listened to you guys talk about the, the cheetah reintroduction recently, I don't know, last few days. And then sure enough, on my phone today, I'm seeing this cheetah wreak havoc in like this Indian village on just some random nah, wouldn't pop, you know, been... scroll through pop up video. That's not recent, that's not related. No, nah, it wouldn't be India. And it wouldn't have been if it was a cheetah, it wasn't India. And if it was if it was India, it was probably a leopard. Oh, okay. Yeah, it might have been a leopard. I I mean Listen, I'm a I'm a dog person. All these cats are the same. <laughs> Look, here's the difference. Leopards have rosettes. Cheetahs have spots. Major difference right away. Yeah, and that's how everyone <laughs> remembers it is. Everyone remembers the words rosettes. Yeah. yeah. No, I I'm pretty sure if they're trying to eat your face, it's the same exact animal. <laughs> Cheetah wouldn't eat your face. Leopard, Cheetah would be afraid leopard of you. will in fact eat your face. Correct. Thousand percent. Go for the jugular, back legs would come up, disembowel you. So they teach, they used to teach, here's a fun fact. They used to teach the game rangers, the game wardens, 
in South Africa back in the day that if you get attacked by a leopard, you throw up your fists up against your neck and you put your elbows together close to your chest so that the leopard can't bite into your jugular. And if he does raise his back claws, back legs up to rake you, he's going to rake your forearms rather than your tummy. Fun fact. Write that on a post-it note and keep it in your wallet, Kale. <laughs> Noted. Hey, here's one that's kind of touchy that I was uh, – let, let's hit uh, – Chris from Utah. First of all, congratulations. Chris uh, got a uh, elk opening day of archery at 20 yards. Amazing. Well, a, nice job, Chris. Sent a picture of a beautiful animal, freezer full of meat. Um, but he said he was listening to when we were discussing wanton waste. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a thing that I will follow up and get confirmation on. Chris is... Um, Chris says, I have to disagree when it comes to Utah predator hunts, specifically the bear hunt for Utah. Right in the proclamation book, it flat out says you can lead the carcass in the field if you want to. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, uh... So for that specific species in the state of Utah, you do not have to take the meat off the, off the mountain. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's, uh... Okay, what do you think about that? What do you think about that from a perception perspective to non-hunters? Oh, well, it's, I mean, it's obviously a bad look. Like, if, if you're not taking the meat... The question is I, then, why are you killing the animal? Now, there is, right, like, our, you know, our scavengers, the buzzards, they're part of the ecosystem, too. Mm -hmm. Is the meat going to waste if they leave it there? Does the... Does the population need the animal removed? Is it? Uh, yeah, there, there's a few sides there. It's not a good look. Gut, gut feeling, not a good look. I think I could make a case for it being okay if I wanted to, but I don't want to. Yeah, I think from an ecosystem perspective, all animals die, right? So that animal's going to return to the dirt the way that any other animal would return to the dirt when it dies. So I think it's just a human construct of waste in terms of taking the resource and what do you do with the resource if you've given this if you've been given the stewardship of of looking after the resource what are you doing in that specific example good thing to look up chris thanks yeah and it's uh you know again it doesn't take away the need for predator management and animal management but it seems to me like uh putting it in writing that that's it. like that seems like an automatic no. Like we can have a whole nother discussion about whether or not you should make a law about what you have to use, but putting it in writing that you don't seems like seems like a bad idea to me. I think I think I agree with Kale on that. So I I'm just a blanket caveat that all of my my questions are non-hunter questions. Like I'm not a hunter, but I am a thinker, right? So when you're not you know, deep into the hunting community, the hunting news, the, it's like, I follow Cam Haynes cause he's interesting, right? There's my hunting exposure. And now, now you guys, but is, is there something about bear meat in particular? Cause you know, it'll make it into the media where it's like this type of game meat has this issue. Don't eat it or overcook it. So is there something in particular about the population of bear in Utah that would make that meat more problematic and make it more reasonable to leave it out in the wild? It's a meat. It's a meat that uh, is different. Um, 
my wife did a tremendous job of preparing multiple meals with the last bear that I killed. Um, you do have trichinosis, which is a disease that I don't know if it's like all bears have it or a lot of bears have it. I wouldn't know the, the science on that if only we knew a, a scientist. But uh, <laughs> you, do have to, you do have to cook it. You know, it, you, you don't want to serve bear medium rare um, right. or rare because of trichinosis. And it's definitely, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I like it, but it's a greasy, thicker, denser kind of meat um, that you're going to hear people say, there's definitely people out there that will tell you they won't eat bear. Um, I can now 100% tell you that that was in the preparation because my wife made it, and I'm, I'm a fairly, I don't like really gamey meat. Um, but, uh, so it's different. Yeah. It's not like cutting the back strap out of a deer and it tastes like just good beef, basically. Um, it's a different kind of meat and you do have trichinosis as a factor, not hard at all to eliminate trichinosis as a concern, but you do have to pay attention to what you're doing. But there's nothing specific to Utah, Kale, that no. would say that that's and, a reason for that being on the yeah. books. And no reason for a carve out for that species, right? Like I'm okay if there's a reason, but it just doesn't sound like... <laughs> Like there's a reason. I think the reason was probably they were trying to get more people to hunt bears to help with the situation. And people, you know, thought that they had to, people weren't hunting bear because they weren't going to eat it, which is not an all bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same mm -hmm. time, if everyone adopts that, black bears in particular will get massively out of control on you. That's it on the text, really. That was the controversial text? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's a... Oh, I thought you had like a media text that you were like, oh, I'm going to hold this one till the end. That's super controversial. Well, if you're going to... Now that you brought it up, I do kind of... But I can't get the link to open. Something happened to the link. So we're moving on. We're done with text. <laughs> <sighs> All good, Cody. All good. Well, Kale, the Roundup is typically a time where we look at things that are happening in the world of hunting. Uh, and since you're a non-hunter, uh, really appreciate your perspective on things that are happening in the world. Um, I will say that um, we're probably one this year. Uh, we haven't spoken about this yet, but um, the beginning of October next week, uh, actually the week that this podcast will be releasing, we'll be releasing a podcast about a thing called the African Wildlife Consultative Forum, which will be happening in Mozambique. It's its 20-year anniversary. And it's a way, it's a place where all the sort of African countries get together that uh, advocate for sustainable use of wildlife to talk about things around wildlife conservation issues, um, trade issues. And this year is specifically important because one month later is the 19th COP, the COP is the Conference of Parties for CITES, which is the big trade uh, organization in the world that sort of essentially regulates the trade of, of wildlife and plants and fish and whatnot. So there's a lot of uh, debate happening. So that is something that is certainly swirling in the, in the news waves, the CITES, discussions about CITES, discussions about COP, AWCF coming down the pipeline. Uh, but we do have a couple of articles that, jo that Cody did send you. Um, we sent you three articles, and as the guest, we'd, we'll let you decide which one you want to start with. 
Well, uh, much like you guys, one of them popped up behind a paywall from a media organization that wasn't going to get my dollar. Uh, <laughs> so I put no time and effort into that one. So it looked like a uh, bloody good, it looked like a really interesting article. And the article is in the New York Times. And it was a guest opinion essay where the title of the guest opinion essay said, humans have a long history of making very bad decisions to save animals, quote unquote. Cody, you're probably the only one who's read this article. Is this, was this a, a, against trophy hunting? Um, it was, it was Do more, you remember? Yeah, yeah. It was more uh, across the board. Hunting was part of it. <clears throat> about hunting being a bad decision as a conservation tool. Um, but it was also land development. I mean, it was a lot of a lot of things. But a very uh, like it was someone standing a thousand yards out of reality, painting a picture of it. You know um, that all people that do this are destroying wildlife, and all people that do this. And it was just a it was it was a it was a doomsday article about how nothing good is happening and no one is doing the right things. And, uh, you know, just, it was right where it belonged, right? Mm -hmm. On the NYT opinion page. <laughs> There's just never been an absence uh, in the human population of, of people who are willing to be suckered in by nirvana right who aren't who like there's just always a subset of the population that you can sell on this perfect plan based on human altruism and it just doesn't exist so let's stop acting like the majority of the population isn't you know motivated by by self-interest and leverage that for good you're never going to get, you know, this This is just stemming off the conversation that, that Robbie and I had uh, some on, on my podcast, which is um, you're, you're never going to get the same amount of resource out of the populace. I don't care where in the world you're in for conservation as you're, as you're going to siphon off as a byproduct of hunting for conservation. It's just never going to It'd be great. It, that'd be lovely. It's just never going to happen. I get the appeal. It's just, you know, like owning a unicorn that farts cupcakes would be fantastic too. I, I'm, I'm just not holding my breath to obtain one. That's why we brought Kale on. If you figure out how to get one, I would like in on that, if, if possible, please. Oh yeah, deal. No, we'll the uh, sponsorship and branding deal for. Uh... For both organizations, absolutely. 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 <laughs> I'd even be willing. To, it might be the only one, and I would be willing to arrange uh, a hunt for that unicorn uh, with the funds going to conservation. How about that, New York Times? <laughs> Poor decisions. Nice. Poor decisions for the longevity <laughs> of farting unicorns. I like it a lot. All right, since we can't no, talk it, about it, the New York Times article, yeah. no, go ahead, Cal. No, the 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 one that did stand stand out to me uh, uh, is is the one uh, with the the fox hunts. I think it's specifically fox hunts mm -hmm. in England, right? Northern Ireland, and and yeah, and using the the dogs. Don't let the English folks hear that you called England Northern Ireland. The Northern, same thing. Northern Irelanders. We it is not about England. It's about Northern Ireland. We don't need that mess. 
And remember, the hate this. needs to be sent to Solid Seven Podcast, <laughs> and not the Blood Origins Podcast. Listen, there's a there's a great line from uh, um, from Ted Lasso, and actually, so my my wife and I are actually I I was never a uh, a soccer fan, and I want to be very clear uh, that it is soccer football football um, because you use a foot and you use a ball. It's the only sport in the world that you actually use a foot and a ball with. That's why it's called football, people. Listen, we've got American players scoring goals uh, in the Premier League right now. 100%. We've got we've got American coaches winning games. It's soccer now, buddy. I'm sorry, it's over. <laughs> Much like the American Revolution, we've won the naming rights. Uh, but uh, my but my wife turned me on it. A, a sport that could regularly end in a tie was just it just never did anything for me. But my my wife really turned me on to uh, soccer or football, depending on on where you're coming from. But so we were Ted Lasso fans before it was a show, right? When they were just hyping Premier League on NBC Sports, and they recycled a gag from those ads for the show where his assistant coach is explaining to him how Great Britain actually works. And there's this phenomenal line that only Ted Lasso can deliver, which is, well, how many countries are in this country? And he still didn't understand, and I still don't understand. So somewhere on the other side of the Atlantic, people are hunting foxes with dogs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, there's people who are mad about it. Mm-hmm. That's about it. It's about it. And it's funny, the the, the whole UK system... You know, it has its challenges, obviously. It has a class system tied to hunting, unfortunately. Um, right now, we released a video today or, or last week when you're listening to this podcast about how the UK is... They've recently, obviously, had a change in government. Boris is out. The environmental minister, Zach Goldsmith, that was against uh, pretty much anything tied to hunting, is out now. But they've been championing for two years... This animal abroads bill, which has language in there to remove the import of trophies into the United Kingdom, i.e. the United Kingdom being the colonial power that they are, that has destroyed all of its wildlife, pretty much, massacred biodiversity, is now saying to other countries, we want to do the same thing to you. And so um, it's just a, it's a conundrum to itself. And, but you speak to the guys on the ground in the UK and they're like, we don't understand. Like we've got, we've got, we've actually got pretty good resources, and we do a lot of hunting. And there's things to be said about things. That yes, there's the things that need to be cleaned up. Um, but man, that they, 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 it's just a tough situation in the UK. Yeah, this is something, you know, I, I feel like Cody and I are probably pretty kindred spirits, but this is something I took issue with from one of your recent episodes uh, that I think is genius, and, and that is changing the language around trophy hunting. What, what I heard floated was conservation hunting. Cody, you're not a fan of that change, and I get it. No, I, I, get, I like it. I just think it's putting I, lipstick on a pig. But that's but that's the game that's the game to be played now, and that's when when we refuse to play. It's like you're you're in a street brawl, getting the crap beat out of you, and the whole time you know you're getting punched in the liver. You're going, I'm a gentleman. I'm not going to fight like this. It's like no, you gotta you gotta start throwing some punches. You gotta start fighting dirty. Start biting. Start and so I, I get it, right? You know, if you if you roll around in the mud with the pig, you know you get muddy and the pig enjoys it. So I understand that. 
but we're, you know, I, I was going to say we, and that's too broad a brush, and, and it, this shouldn't be a, a, a political conversation, but there's too many of these these fights that are being fought with the language that, that are being lost, at least by what I view as the right side. And man, I just think conservation hunting instead of trophy hunting is such a phenomenal marketing shift, and it is truth in advertising. It is in, you in know, most cases, I think it we, is. In most cases, it is. And, but the, other, the, the problem there is that in some cases, it isn't. Right. But I, I think enough that you can paint with that broad sure. brush. I mean, you know, if this was the Solid 7 podcast, uh, I'd turn this into uh, a reference from Parks and Rec. Uh, you know, everything, all of life is either Scrubs, Parks and Rec, or The Office. And there's a whole episode of Parks and Rec where poor Leslie's just trying to... Uh, get uh, uh, what's the the garbage they put in our water for our teeth? Fluoride. Fluoride. She's just trying to get fluoride in the water. And of course, there's this councilman who's an orthodontist, and he doesn't want it, and he's convinced the people that fluoride is dangerous, and partners with a candy company to basically add sugar to the water. So to get this done, she's got to rebrand fluoride. So by time the episode's over, they're calling it like sparkle shine and there's a vip club membership where you earn points for drinking water it's still just fluoride in the water like what's you got to define the win what's the win who like if you if you can get people on board with understanding the positive outcomes of what is currently called trophy hunting if you can participate in the action and the activity uh without the blowback isn't that the win regardless of what you're calling it if that's the case but here's the here's the catch that makes this one a little bit different of a scenario is we don't call it trophy hunting. I mean, almost no one in the hunting world ever uses that phrase. Right. And, and I mean, it would be like, if it would be like, we would call the humane society of the United States and be like, Hey, could you start attacking conservation hunting instead of attacking trophy hunting? Cause we'd like to call it, we'd like for you to call it. Like, it's not a phrase we gave it. Right. I mean, it's 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 not a phrase that we refer and and use a lot. We're doing it in the sense that we go out looking for a specific type of animal when we go out and hunt. Um, And to your point, a lot of that is steeped in conservation. A lot of it's not. A lot of it's still steeped in, you know, I want to I feel like I've accomplished something more if I go find a mature male. you know, that is dictated in most scenarios by a trophy on their head in, in hunting. I mean, in, in most cases it is, or a beard on a turkey or, or whatever it is. That's the problem with it is it's a phrase that they abuse as a means to attack. It's not like there's anyone out there. I think maybe there is like a Texas Trophy Hunters Association, but there's very mm-hmm. few mm-hmm. organizations that – like we don't use the phrase. Very few hunters use the phrase, if ever. Um, right, but you're yeah, but you're still like you can't choose who does use it though, and they're just clubbing you over the head with it. It's like you know, I'm a, I'm I'm a gun guy, right? Like I'm a I'm a certified firearms instructor. I I I like to to shoot firearms. I support Second Amendment rights, whatever. And the, you know the the gun gun rights advocacy, um, you know pro pro gun people here in the, in the states. We just get clubbed over the head all the time with this assault weapon. 
Now, as somebody who's who's fluent in in firearms and uh, in ammunition and in calibers and and in usage of firearms in different ways, I'm like, I can explain away that the that, that term means nothing. I can explain the difference that you know. I can tell you, there's plenty of guns that don't look as scary as an AR-15 that do the exact same thing with the exact same cartridge with the exact same round. But nothing that I'm going to say to explain that way that away it has that same emotional impact as that. Just the two, just the assault weapon, just the, this thing's scary and it's got this scary name and me explaining away the technicality of, well, no, you don't understand. It's the tool, not, it, it just doesn't land the same. And in the meantime, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to explain the tech. How are you going to change that? What, I mean, so decide like, instead we want to call it a cupcake rifle instead of an assault weapon. How, I mean, what are you going to do? You just going to start calling it that and it's going to fix the problem. No, but you you've uh, to, you've got to find we've got to find a way on on issues like this to to counter that emotional response to get the door open to to the logical explanation, right? Cuz right now the emotional side shuts it down and it's, you know, it's trophy hunting. It ju- it's got this negative connotation now. You're you're seeing hunters in these pictures with these, you know, thank you, Disney, anthropomorphized animals where we think they have a name and, you know, there's a family waiting at home missing them and, and whatever. And it's you, it's just to get past that emotional response so you can explain, no, here's – even if the intention is not con- conservation, here's the positive second and third order effects of that hunt regardless of what the intention of the hunter was. Here's the people it employed. Here's the people it fed. Here's the, the animals that it preserved, whether that was the hunter's intent or not. But you've got to get through the wall of emotion to to get that information through. Yeah, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't even think we really disagree, other than on the actual act of naming. And if you take that assault weapon or assault rifle example, there, you, we can't change that. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a pro gun guy too. I have an assault weapon. Um, but yeah, how what what would you what would you Regardless of what it is, I said cupcake rifle a second ago to be ridiculous, right? I wasn't trying to make an actual. Yeah, yeah. But regardless of what, changing the name does nothing but look like a feeble attempt to reach across the aisle that's, that doesn't actually mean anything. And and I I think that your point about emotions get in the way of the facts is really true but I still think it's the only way to do it. I, I think that I multiple times in my life, including I love you, mom, explained to my mom that on an AR-15 that you can go to the store and buy, it's no different than the shot, than the Benelli shotgun that she bought me, you know, just pull the trigger, shoot, pull the trigger, shoot. And she's like, no, 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 no. We're only talking about fully automatic weapons. And I'm like, no, 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 no. At least my mom's never said the word semi-fully automatic. Yeah, fully Fully semi. But she genuinely was misled by Biden saying, you know, that they can shoot at 8,000 feet per second and 600 rounds a minute. You know, it's just not true. It's lies. And the same thing. I'd, I'm not disagreeing with you that it makes it harder. I still believe that spreading the facts about trophy hunting, about hunting, about legal hunting in today's day and age is better than some 
petty act of calling it something else. That's that's my intention, and I think that parlays into the assault assault rifle. I've never called my AR an assault rifle either. You know, there's yeah. there's a lot better options. I've I've uh, carried assault rifles in a in a previous job, and there's a lot better options than my AR. Yeah, I I don't think it works in a broad spectrum, and certainly not for for the types, you know, for the for the mission of of Blood Origins in particular. I don't think just simply making a language change to something like conservation hunting gets you there. Where I think a tool like that becomes in handy is in the one on one conversations of changing hearts and minds. And too often we want to achieve that with a tweet or a reel or whatever. And you just can't do it because there's no relationship there. But if you can if you see the ridiculous point, if you go, I I I get it, right? I I'll I'll give it to you, right? Like trophy hunting, I get why you don't support that. But how do you feel about conservation hunting? And they're automatically – you just walk them backwards towards the thing you're saying you support is the same thing as, you're, as the thing you're saying you don't support. Even if they don't immediately go, oh, well, absolutely, I'm okay with conservation hunting. Even if they go, well, what do you mean by conservation hunting? And you say, well, what about the kind of hunting where it's, it's really beneficial to the animal population in this given area? Or it's, it's beneficial to, you know, in, you know, I'm talking first world areas, you know, I talk in the idea of the states, um, right? But in, in areas where it's a whole, uh, you know, tri- economy for, um, you know, a, a village or, you know, and you walk them backwards and you go, well, everything I just described to you is occurring with the trophy hunts you say you don't support. I just, all, all we did was change the language a little bit at the beginning, but all those same things are happening with what you're calling trophy hunting right now. That's where I think the value in something like that is. Yeah, I can see that point. I, 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 I don't disagree with you. Um, some, some of it's probably, I mean, we've had the same conversation about harvest versus kill. Um, and I'm, I'm just not a fan of of losing any part of what it currently is because of the ignorance of someone else as to what's actually happening. So some of it is, uh, you know, stubborn hard headedness on my part as well. Well, it's a great conversation to have someone like with someone like Hale, who's a non hunter. And I don't think you get opportunities like that to have that kind of discussion with the other side, essentially. So we have one more article, and we're going to, uh, with Kale's uh, thoughtful preparation, uh, we're going to get in under the hour mark, I believe. No, I'm kidding, joking. The last article, and I'm glad we left this for the last one, because there's actually a little bit more connection to Blood Origins than maybe even Cody knows tied to this article. So this article was written by a lady called Rachel Levine. It was in Bon Appetit. Um, bon Appetit's a pretty big um cooking food type magazine online profile the the article's title was i eat meat full stop why was killing my own food so hard and uh what happened here just to give a context for the article rachel is obviously an urbanite out of san francisco and she was invited to an all-women's retreat um, I think a lady called Jen Judge put it together, co-founded it with uh, a guy called Kyle Jackson. 
Kyle Jackson has been on the Blood Origins podcast. We're about to release his episode uh, in New Mexico. Kyle is the hunt manager for Vermejo, which is one of the Ted Turner reserves in New Mexico. It's a 550,000 acre reserve. Okay. Ted Turner, Cody, do you know? I think Ted Turner is like the largest landholder in the United States. Could be close to it, right? Yeah, I think he's second place as far as private landowners right now. Anyway, Vermejo is a beautiful place. It's a private land, sort of emerald, bison, elk, pronghorn, whitetails, muleys, you name it, it has it. Um, and we're very good friends with Kyle, and we've actually had some very good conversations with the Ted Turner group about hunting. And the best thing about this article is that you have someone who is invited, essentially it's inviting Kale, to go on a hunt with other non-hunters and get them comfortable with the gun, get them comfortable shooting, and then, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to take this animal and uh, we're going to feed you. I think the article, number one, is written beautifully. Number two, it just... it, it what she does so well is she sort of juxtaposes this dilemma that she's in, right? This dilemma that, yes, I'm a meat eater, but I have to confront now this idea that I am killing the meat that I eat. Kale? Yeah, I, I agree on all those points. Now, I, I've been on, on a hunt. Uh, I talked to Robbie on my podcast about it. You know, I went and did kind of a uh, a canned hog hunt here in Florida, which I feel like just barely counts. Um, and I, I couldn't identify with any of the, um, you know, the hesitation or the second thinking. Like, uh, you know, we hadn't been out there very long. They put me in a, a tree stand since my first time out. Hog parked right under me. Mm -hmm. There was no love lost between me and that hog, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I got my feet out of the way for the holdover because it was literally, you know, point of, point of impact. I was worried about hitting my toes. It was right underneath me. I didn't even need uh, my sights, and, and I dropped that hog. Now, maybe if it was a more likable animal, um, I, I would have felt the same hesitation. But I like this in the sense of... Um, you know, we're we're just. I, I think so. So many of society's woes right now come from us being so disconnected from nature. And I'm I'm not saying that I I want everybody to go out and camp or go out and hike or go out and hunt. As a matter of fact, I do primitive camping and backpacking because it weeds out people. All right, so don't go out and crowd the trails and the parks. But we just have this idea that we're separate from the ecosystem that mm. we exist separate from nature um and uh you know I'm, I'm a fan of i think it's a, a jefferson quote just talking about you know if we ever pile into these big cities like europe we're screwed we're done for and i think a large part of that sentiment from him had to have been about the disconnection from the land he you know he also shared a sentiment that you know that we should elect farmers because of their connection to the land but the just life eats life Right. I mean, you can dumb it all the way down to, uh, you know, the Lion King and the circle of life if you want to, if you need a soundtrack for it. But if you want to go vegan vegetarian, uh, you know, a it, it's not a bloodless process. Right. But all our energy, the energy, you the calories we're burning are our, our oil, our solar, our window. It, it all derives from the sun. So you want to say you can take 
life eats life, all the way to our sun, which all the energy it's releasing is what's absorbed by our plants, which, which are consumed by our animals, whether that ends up in the ground. It's all solar energy. And our sun is eating itself. Our sun is dying to produce that energy, right? So if you just want to eat plants, it's still life eating life. Mm -hmm. The, you know, go, going back to our last article, the idea that, you know, it's inhumane to hunt these foxes with these dogs. If, if not from a hunter, what kind of death do you think animals are experiencing in the wild? You don't need to be a hunter to understand. They're not curling up in a hospital bed, you know, going quietly and, and peacefully, right? So I, I th see more people being exposed to this, whether it's through the the article um, or it's through experiencing something like this themselves, just understanding um, that connection back to their food, right? That it's the, the burger that I'm eating or the steak that I'm eating, if that's you, the chicken breast, the turkey, um, the whatever, that life eats life. And I this this has to happen. Either I've got to do it or I've got to outsource it if I'm going to survive. I've either got to, if you want to go vegan vegetarian, I've, I've either got to grow the crops or I've got to outsource it if I'm going to survive. Life eats life. Somebody has to do it. And just having that connection, I think, back to the land, back to the ecosystem, uh, I think, reaps benefits uh, society-wide. Yeah, I love the in the article – it's quoted at the end when they when they're talking about the people who created the course, Jen Judge and Kyle Jackson. They said the two have a long shared vision to bridge the illogical chasm between those who hunt to eat and those who merely love to eat. Cody? Yeah, I thought it was a great article. I will say she makes a comment about hunting on a private ranch makes you feel like a prick, I believe, is the is the exact quote that she uses. And then she gives this two-sentence, what I thought was going to be a great paragraph about the kind of burgeoning of diversity in hunting. Well, she didn't say she didn't say a prick. She said it was like being uh it, it was like having clear at the airport. Um Full, full, full quote. I mean, we like to be very oh, thorough. Oh, no, it does. It also podcasts. makes you feel like a prick. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So you're both right. You feel like a prick right there in the article. Yeah, I see it. Sorry. I, miss, I, I just didn't see that. That's part. the part sorry. I was referencing when she's. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. And then she had a great, like, I, 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 I 85% love this article and I have full understanding for someone all of the points that she makes, except about feeling like a prick for hunting on a private ranch. And then she started off with this great paragraph about the kind of burgeoning diversity in hunting and then summed it up with, but it's still basically just a bunch of white old guys doing it. Um, those two little kind of just condescending. But she isn't wrong. It uh, isn't wrong. Yeah, but. I just read a leopard study where. Uh, as a Google search image of leopard trophy hunters between 2011 and 2020, 94% of them are white males over the age of 40. Yeah. Yeah, but I, 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 I don't, I, she, she just, she just needed to rile with that statement, right? It, there, it, 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 yes. it had nothing to do with the context of the article, nor did the, the, imp the implication is that 
there's some intentional barrier keeping people who don't meet that demographic out of the process. It's implied and not stated, but that's why else would you say that? And it's it's not, it's not the case. Unless you were writing well, an some article of it is about true. that. This article is not at all about that. It was just a little, oh, how can I slide this in right here? That I didn't like that part of it. Other than that, I thought it was a really well-written article. Applaud her for talking about her struggles. And I have never had a counter argument for someone who just deeply didn't want to take another being's life. That's there's, there's no, there's no argument for that. I can, you know, I can talk with you about why I choose to do it. Um, but I don't have an argument for why someone should get past that. It's a strong emotional thing that, uh, you know, she was, cool enough to air out she was cool enough to push through get it done to make sure she felt that way um i i really liked the article i did a lot other than too little what seemed like i gotta stick my uh i gotta i gotta poke the bear just a little bit here while i'm writing this article you've got to appreciate somebody that's willing to to, to get their hands dirty, to give something to go rather than just sit from this. Like you could write articles and get them published and make a decent living all day long, just sitting on the sidelines, sitting on one coast or the other and sniping at the people that are out hunting and assuming what it is and going, you know, off of <clears throat> what the media has told you it is. Or you could, you could go out and, and say, well, is, is this what I've been told it is, or is this what I think it is? And to me that, I mean, that bought her, um, you know, a lot of street quote with me, just willing to be able to go out and say, Hey, if I'm going to write about this thing, I'm going to, I'm going to experience it. Yeah, I agree. It was a good article. hundred percent. I got one more thing I, that, that Avery just texted me that I should share, Robbie. I like just just because it's fifty four minutes into the podcast. Okay, yeah, and I sure. wanted to see, go ahead. And Kale Kale texts me beforehand and said, "Hey, let's take this thing way past an hour on his ass." Yeah. <laughs> if 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 we if we don't hit at least uh, sixty one minutes, I'm gonna be disappointed. So quick story: standing uh, in line in the Johannesburg airport to get on a plane coming back from Africa. All right. And obviously okay. there's several hundred people there. Actually not. That plane was almost completely empty. But there's me and my wife, another, um, I would say, I would call a younger couple and then an older couple. And we're all just, none of us know each other, but we're all kind of standing next to, uh, next to each other. And one of the gentlemen, the older gentleman, had checked a gun. We, we were all together kind of at the baggage check and we weren't together, but we just moved in, in a little bit of a mm -hmm. herd, right? Mm -hmm. The older gentleman had checked a gun. The younger man, when I say younger, uh, early 30s maybe, said, hey, were you hunting in Africa? The older gentleman, and, and he kind of, the older gentleman said, yes, I had just got done talking to his wife, so he kind of pointed at me and said, so were they. The The younger kid goes, wow, I didn't know you could do that. And Was he South African? What no, no, nationality was he? He was, he was he? Uh, American. No, he's an American. Everybody's an American. All, I, not okay. everybody. All of the, all of the, <laughs> we're all Americans. All, all, all of these six people are Americans. And the older gentleman 
and I, when I say older, I mean maybe he was late 50s. He freaking clicked off safe. It was embarrassing. Mm. And he went, all this kid said was, and, and he said it like with a smile on his face, right? This kid, this kid, it turns out he grew up in Maine, right? And understands hunting. All he said was, I didn't know you could do that in Africa. And this older gentleman made hunters look look like obnoxious assholes is, is what he did. He clicked off safe. Then he started taking out pictures. All of his pictures from his hunt. His trophy pictures. His trophy. His, his, yeah, exactly. And he scrolled past the leopard that he'd shot with the very standard... I'm going to pick the leopard up by the head and, and front shoulders. <clears throat> and the man in a the, the the young man in a super kind way, it, it's very important that I think everyone understand this kid was not angry. He was not anything, but his wife, who had not said a word, was just about in tears looking at these pictures that this old man is essentially shoving in her face. And the younger guy goes, hey, I don't, I don't have any, this is, this is as near as a quote as I can get. He says, no judgment whatsoever, but we really don't want to see any more pictures. And this guy went into full assault mode about, you know, and he was trying to make conservation points. He was trying to make economic benefit points, but he was nearly yelling at this couple who all they asked was to not have it shoved in their face with the words, mm. no judgment. Mm. Right. And that part of it up to that, it was, it, it, it was embarrassing for me. And I kind of just walked away from it. We then end up in Newark in the same lounge as the younger. Well, actually all six of us end up in the same lounge. If you're United gold, which is not really that high on United, but you get to go into a lot of foreign lounges. It's kind of nice. We all end up, but we end up next to this younger couple. And he said, man, did I say something wrong to that guy? And I said, absolutely not. I said, that mm. guy is a jackass who didn't listen to the words you were saying and just decided he was going to jump on a soapbox and start yelling at people to sound intelligent. By the end of it, this kid's asking questions. He want, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I, I didn't make an African hunter out of him, but he goes, it was, it, it, he finished it off with saying it was really cool that you just listened to me and explained it to me and didn't shove pictures of dead animals in my face when I asked you not to. Anyway, that's the whole story. I think there's a lesson to be learned. That Absolutely. There's a, these people were not judgmental of hunting in any way. She was from Pennsylvania. He was from Maine. They both grew up around hunting. Um, they just weren't prepared for all the animals that they'd just gone on on an eco safari to enjoy, seeing dead pictures of them while a stranger yelled at them. Um, anyway. They probably got judgmental. They probably got judgmental because of the way that the guy approached it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He, he set a precedent for them that this is what, um, you know, that this, this, the, the people are like this and to credit the, to credit the older gentleman, he was trying, 
like his intentions were to make the right points with the things he was saying, but holy mackerel, I thought he was going to fight this kid for asking him not to put the bloody leopard pictures in his wife's face. And she was, she was holding back tears. Anyway, lesson learned there that these were, these were not people who were against us. These were people who just didn't understand, right? Who just didn't could have know. easily been turned into people that would be against us because they, of the rhetoric. I think the uh, I think they worked their way that direction. The fifteen hours from Johannesburg to Newark, um, and then I hope that by having a little bit of a reasonable conversation and just answering questions and not shoving rhetoric down their throats, they realize that. Uh, we're, we're not all complete assholes. Mm-hmm. I think it's a challenge when you're, when you hold a position or, um, you know, you're involved in an activity like that where you're just pri- like, you're so used to the interaction being confrontational, being an attack that you're primed to be on the defensive. And I think the reality, you know, the lesson, the takeaway there really applies again, beyond uh, hunting is like default to humility, default to kindness rather than tack, and work your way from there. And really, if it gets aggressive, really you can just throw up the deuces anyways, because that's probably not somebody who's going to be open to having their heart and mind changed anyways. But just it, it just does so much more to default to humility and kindness, and then find your bearing and, and go from there. And I think 100%. it's important to note that that does not make you soft. When it, no. when it comes to a thing that I need to stand and fight for, I can be as hard-headed as anyone in the world. And if this kid had started arguing back at me, I have the knowledge in my brain to, to give him the facts to prove that he's wrong, whether he'll listen or not. Is like you said, Gail, there's some of it's just hopeless. But starting with humility and kindness – does not make you soft. It makes you intelligent and you can be intelligent and hard at the same time. Um, we, 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 we've taken some grief in the past at blood origins for giving people a chance who maybe didn't, uh, agree with us or who didn't fit the mold. Um, someone once said that blood origins makes hunters look like victims. And it's such a, such an ignorant cop out to say a thing like that in my mind, because it's not the case at all. Well, there you go. One hour, three minutes. Look at you boys. We did it, Kale. Mission accomplished. Now we're moving on to uh, unicorns and cupcake rifles. (laughs) You and Cody can FaceTime all you like about (laughs) unicorns and cupcake rifles. Kale, it's it's a pleasure, my man. I'm I'm so glad. One, I was humbled to be asked to be on your podcast. Uh, And we just thoroughly, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I knew that you would be good because uh, I, I knew you'd be a good podcast guest because you're thoughtful and yeah yes you've hunted once and unfortunately it was a canned pig hunt but hey it's still a hunt it's all good it still tasted it still good. tasted it, good I mean, good pig the pork was just exactly as good. um no it's it, uh, legit uh, honest hopefully I, I brought something meaningful to uh to the conversation and uh you know from the second you popped up on uh on my social media and i, and I started looking into the content uh just a believer uh, a fan an official supporter 
so I can get in on those job, sweet, Caleb. sweet Blood Origins prizes and and drawings. And uh, you know, there's there's a link to Blood Origins and what you guys are doing uh, on on my website now, Perfect. and, and continue you. to encourage my listeners to support what you're doing. And open door to, uh, to you guys at the Solid Seven Podcast. Any anytime you want to come on, you're you're more than welcome. Thank you, Kale. Cool. Thanks, Kale. Cody. Good luck getting rid of the tick bite fever. Okay. I think I got it whooped. Nice. Put some Windex on it, man. Yep, exactly. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.